The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. for the prolonged intro music. You know, we recently heard that uh, there's some fans out there of our music, so uh, <laughs> um, you're welcome for that. We had a little a little hiccup, but we're back to the Culture Insanity podcast, episode number 16, and we're back onto our schedule. We had to do a, one last week. We're back onto our schedule of every other Saturday, so thank you for being here. Welcome back. Um, and we have our co-host back um thanks to jasmine for filling in our our vigilance radio network director so we're back and we have yes round of applause for the fill-in the substitute teacher um few things on the docket for talking tonight and we also have another new game because we like to keep it fresh eventually we'll start recycling this because my brain will run out of ideas but we're uh we got a new game. We got a few things on, on the docket. We have <laughs> some more on Roseanne cancellations and, and a question about what that means potentially in terms of um, a cultural shift. Um, we have a question on... There you go. Turn it sideways. Sideways, like that. No, no, no. You're speaking. You're speaking to the top of it. Like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a little quiet in my headphones. Yeah, too. I'll turn. I'll work on that. Okay, um, Mark Hamill and his um, continued views on his character, Luke Skywalker, and then Josh and I on Thursday. That sounds better. Josh and I on Thursday watched the the It movie of of today, Hereditary. So we definitely wanna we wanna talk about that because. It's getting a lot of buzz. It's getting a lot of Oscar buzz, and um, you should know why. And you should know why. Um, you should, if you're going to see it, see it with open eyes and a um, shielded mind. Yeah, I guess would be the best. Way that's to put good. That. Um, so don't don't casually watch a movie like that. Don't casually watch most movies or any movie. Josh would say, but especially a movie like that with the content um, that it. That it has. Um, so, I, yeah. I don't believe in watching anything casually the first time. There you go. Um, so, few things on the docket. Uh, and then our game, which tonight is music-centric. I feel like we don't give music enough love on our podcast, but um, it's going to be music-centric, and we'll get more more on that um, later. So, if you're tuning in or will be tuning in now or in the future, thanks for being here. And um, without further ado... Let's get started. So, this is this is an article. It's a couple weeks old, but um, it was an article f- from 
Vulture, vulture Vulture.com. I think you posted this one, Josh. But the headline of the article is, Roseanne's cancellation is a sudden cultural shift. And it's it's just talking about um, what what it continues to mean or what it could mean. Um, this pers- this particular writer was um, saying a few things, and one of the things that I thought was most interesting about what they were saying about the Roseanne cancellation is they're basically saying that it was, you know, that industry righting a wrong in the first place because w- the show and her specifically should have never been um, relaunched because of her outspoken views on several different things and her like unabashed or unabashedful that, is that unabashed unabashed views on certain things and controversial things um so this this particular writer was saying that first of all the show should have never been started but good on abc for writing that wrong but one of the things that i i pulled from um this particular article was was this and i'll just read a little just a short little paragraph a couple sentences <laughs> um the writer says this for all of those reasons dungy dungy is the showrunner dungy dungy dungy's decision to cancel roseanne feels like a gutsy move it looks like a stand against racism a line drawn in the sand to delineate what is reasonable and what is not it even looks like a data point in the how do we separate the art from the artist debate remember we've talked about this in the past on Mm -hmm. on this show um and it offers a heartening answer we don't have to because in this case ABC will not finance that artist. It's somehow even more heartening because it comes from a massive corporate conglomerate that might lose money by making this decision. And it feels remarkably just, just, and it feels decent. So I guess our springboard for, for this topic, and um, I'm hoping we can move on from the Roseanne thing after this. We've covered it several times now. Something It's got so many angles. It does. That, that's a thing, too. That's what I was telling someone. This, there's so many different things. And, hey, we don't make the news. You know, We cover it from, a, from our own particular angle, right? Right. So, hey, I'm not out here making the news. I'm just pulling the news. <laughs> We're pulling the news. But So our angle tonight on this topic is, is this a heartening stance against racism or is there like some sort of fear of censorship? Again, this person says, "How do on the on the on the topic of how do we separate the art from the artist?" They say we don't have to because this this company will 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 make that decision for us or will you know cut out their voice or whatever um, based on any number of reasons. And we know why the whole Roseanne thing started, but. So is it a heartening stance against racism or is there a fear of censorship? So first of all, what do you think? Um, I mean, I don't like it. I, I'm reminded immediately of, sorry, I'm like double duty right now, but um, <clears throat> I'm reminded immediately of something Orwellian. You As know, like George Orwell. Orwell. Yeah, good old George. Um, I'm reminded of like Ray Bradbury, I'm reminded of any number of dystopian futures where, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't care if you call it the government or a corporation that decides how it is that we input our, our intake of entertainment, however you want to say it. I mean, these people have a massive amount of control of our lives. And basically what you're saying is that you would prefer that. 
Yeah, and that's a scary that's a scary thing to suggest and when does that stop? And it, right. At what point it well, it doesn't. That's at what point it, you know, it doesn't stop. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of power to relinquish right then and there. And yeah. I mean it wow, I'm just wondering if it segues into this topic I'm looking at on our board here that I wasn't necessarily planning on covering tonight, but what Rob Reiner was saying about about holding people accountable and stuff. I don't know if there's a direct if there's a direct connection. I mean, I can't see the board. It's behind me. Well, but, uh, the Rob Reiner, he was on Fallon or something. And it's more more of the, so if you saw the post, you know, it's it's more of that. Um, it's it's the media's job. The post with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tom yeah. Hanks and Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Yeah. It's Great the, movie. It's the media's job to hold, in, the, in, this, in that movie, and in what he's saying, to hold the government accountable. And I feel like there's some sort of parallel going on here with what we're talking about. I can't put my finger on it. Right. But, yeah, like, we have a responsibility, and we shouldn't be wanting to give that up, I guess, so flippantly. And this person's suggestion or notion that it's a good thing and it's a decent thing to, to do that is well, red I mean, flaggy at, 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 at a minimum. The question that you have to ask is what are we saying that is considered decent? Why is there, like, an automatic um, no on Roseanne, but an automatic yes on, I don't know, Will and Grace? I'm just picking another, uh, you know, just picking another um, show that got because rebooted. socially acceptable versus not socially acceptable. Right, exactly. Well, that's that's what it is. Why Why is that the case? And then you have to ask the question of, like, separating art from artists. Like, why is it acceptable for Roseanne to have never to say that she, that her art should never have gotten made and for them to take a stance against it but in the same vein for them to give a standing ovation to uh Polanski? Yeah, Plan, Pol, yeah, Roman Polanski at the the Oscars because it it moves from here to here to here right, to Right, wherever they want it to be. Wherever they want it to for be. For those of you who don't remember Roman Polanski uh was convicted, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He of, was guilty, found yeah, guilty. Yeah, of uh, like raping a thirteen-year-old yep, girl or mm -hmm. something like that. Right. Several years later, wins a huge Academy Award for a movie, and gets a standing O because they chose to forget forget about it. Right for that moment. So for him, for so for so that's considered art, and that's okay. But Roseanne, like that's not considered art, and her stance, of course, is you know for the the blue collar, right? It's, yeah. They she's supposed to represent a certain class of America. Well, why is that not okay? I mean, certainly she does represent. A and it's so weird too, because like we were just covering some other article where how it, the show was doing a good job of talk, like speaking to these issues, right? These different right. social, social, economic, racial, whatever right. issues. Right. Um, and it was you know, and it was not afraid to tackle any subject thing, and it was it was relevant because, and that's that was one of many reasons why the show was just doing so well too and so i just i don't understand it i don't understand how it turns on a dime and also i mean this this person says that they're that they were writing a wrong that should never been aired but did abc just um get scared right? yeah well Ro i mean roseanne has been outspoken and we're not saying like things she specific things she says like we're in support of those things for the record but what ha like she's been outspoken 
for decades now. Like, right. She has a reputation. Like, that's what she signed up for <laughs> on some level. Well, right? I, I do think that ABC got scared. I think it got scared yeah, of so... her having too much power because she had the, you know, she had the network by the balls, mm. you know? And they, they wanted to say... And because maybe they, that was like that cash cow, you mean? Right. And they wanted to say, no, wait a second, you, you don't have us. And look, I'm not excusing... John Parker says, truth is a moving target. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I... Where is that from? Well, actual truth is not a moving target. But today's truth, your truth is your truth and my right. truth is my truth. Right. That is a moving target. The subjective truth. Where is that from? Truth is, I swear that that's from something. Anyway, um, they, she had the network by the balls. Yeah, cash cow. Yeah, she had the the network by the balls, and I'm we're not excusing what yeah. she said. I think that what she said was inappropriate. Right. Um, although there does appear to be a separate context, but that's what you get when you're you know you you expect things to be taken out of um, of context, and and then the other thing is she's a comedian. And, you know, it's, she said it's controversial things all the time. So, cause that's what they do. If I'm wrong, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it kind of seems like ABC was looking for, well, I was just going to say, and she's like heavily, <coughs> heavily pro Trump. Right. So yeah. automatically she's got a target. Well, I don't know if she's pro Trump so much as anti Hillary. I thought she's like outspoken Trump supporter. I don't know. But she's attached to Trump on some level, you know, whether she's right. anti-Hillary or pro-Trump, however you want to look at it. Um, so she's already got a target on her back for that. So maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe they're just looking for, they were looking for that and she presented an opportunity and an easy, and then right. we'll wash our hands here. Right. But yeah, so it's a scary thing and it's a, it's not, I mean, yeah, I've, obviously we don't, we don't want to suggest that that's what this whoever this writer is from Vulture. Um, that that's a that's a decent thing and it's a good thing and we don't have to decide this anymore because we're willing to let people do it for us. Right. I, Red yeah. flags. Yeah, that's a super slippery slope. Red flags. Yeah. And it's as I think has been demonstrated in the conversation. It's really based on a person's opinion more than anything else. And that's really scary. And it's, I would, you know, it's sad to be Roseanne from that standpoint. And, you know, it's, I think even Jerry Seinfeld, I mean, he, he noted. Yeah, you were saying something about him earlier. Well, he just said that he didn't think that her, that they should have canceled the show and, you know, picked up another one in its place, which they did. Now they're doing the Connors instead of Roseanne. Oh, already? Like they've already made that decision? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they've made the decision. It's the Connors now. Hmm. Um, but he was saying they shouldn't have canceled Roseanne because they shouldn't, um, like, you shouldn't kick a horse when it's down, mm. basically. He said she's... So, if anything, that wasn't the decent thing to do. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was saying... He said something about, like, comedians losing jobs. Hmm. And he so was saying, like, like recast her. That's what that's what he said, like... Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, don't... Yeah. Because yeah. the show was, like we were talking about, and, like apparently was the popular opinion. Like the show was speaking into a lot of different things. Yeah. So yeah. Why can't you just recast her? Cause she's the heart and soul. Because there's, there's, be, just, there's a, because they don't want to recast her. They want to make a point. And by they, I, I do mean a specific like agenda of people. Mm-hmm. They want to make a point that they have control that, 
that uh, having a difference of opinion will not be tolerated. Yeah, and they, and in that industry, if you're not, and you know, I don't like using that those terms, whatever, like left and right or whatever. Right. But if you're not on that side, like you are kind of like ostracized and outcasted, right? And yeah, I mean, we we talked about. I think we talked about it before with like Tim Allen. Right. He just got his show back because right. picked up by a different network, right? Right. Yeah, but same kind of thing. Like, if you have a different opinion, beware. Well, and, you know, of course, not that... Or the opposite opinion. Not that what was said was inappropriate, wasn't inappropriate, but right. it was outside of the realm of the show, and she's known for saying controversial things. And if you dig into her past, actually, if you dig into the past of any stand-up any, yeah. comic, <laughs> you're going to find all sorts of egregious yeah. things. And yeah, where do you think they draw their material from? Right. You're all the best ones. All sorts of egregious, uncomfortable, and <coughs> socially okay. inappropriate things. Blue... Call, blue the, yeah. Blue material. That's what they call them, right? Yeah, blue material. Blue, blue comics. Yeah, so scary thing. And well, and it's it's kind of connected to like what's going on with uh, what's his name, Nerdist, Chris Hardwick. Chris yeah. Hardwick. I mean, look at Chris Hardwick. It's he said, she said. Wow, John Parker just suggested that Amy Schumer should play Roseanne. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but look, but look at Chris Hardwick. I mean. It's it's not the same, but it's he said she said, and immediately he was removed from everything. Even the nerdist, I hate it. Yeah. Even the nerdist like dropped uh, his name. Yeah, they any dropped his affiliation, name. and it's like, dude, he created that empire, right? <laughs> and it, it was, it was just an accusation. Literally, right. all, all it takes. Right. That's all it takes. Everybody wants to so quickly remove without any thought process about what is being said and it is it's turning into a new form of censorship and it's what it's it's uh what's the word for it um judgment without representation what am i thinking of guys judgment without representation judge dread no dude <laughs> no it's one of our constitutional rights i can't remember what the oh geez what the term is called we're, but we're gonna get flack for this Without representation, Where's there's an action. Need him. Right. Worst <laughs> truth time with Pastor Monty. <laughs> now that's taxation without representation is the is that one. So we're just talking about the right, you know, yeah, guilty till proven innocent or yeah. innocent till proven guilty. Right. But it's flipped nowadays. Right. Yeah. Um, he not that we're some sort of gossip column, but he allegedly like released text messages from her, literally like a few nights or something before she came out with that. And she appears to be a very unstable person, but well, it's completely confirmed that she, that she was like cheating on him. Yeah. And all sorts of things, but she spins it and creates this image and boom, Chris, cause Hardwick. we got to believe immediately what somebody says. Otherwise well, and it's specific. It's specifically every, the, the torch and pitchforks are out, right? It's specifically for women. And yeah, we're not saying there aren't those cases out there. Well, there are the Terry Cruises of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but yeah, like the torch and pitchforks are out. And so it's all it takes. Well, it's a, it's a derivative of, I don't want to get too nerdy on you guys, but it's a derivative of this uh, dialectical behavior therapy. Um, like, <laughs> sorry, based on something called CBT, and cognitive behavior therapy, and zero. <laughs> uh, but basically, the idea is is that you have an environment called a 
it's like a non-helpful environment. I can't remember what it's called, but one of the one of the markers of a of an environment that is unstable for people is when they don't immediately believe you. Hmm. And this is this is one of these things where we have to immediately believe people. You know, like wasn't there some sort of That's I don't know if there's I don't know if there's a clause in Roseanne's contract or like is there some sort of morality clause in Roseanne's contract where they could just fire her? Yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to know. The other side, the other side of that is like, what's going or on? Or like, is she is she still going to get paid out? <laughs> is that some sort of this I, I, why weird do you think, thing? I think there is a thing they about fired that because it's her character. They have to pay out her contract. There is a thing about it being her character. Do you, are you aware of what's going on in the? Um, it's the United Methodist Church, I think. There's this like major pastor. Uh, I can't remember his name, but. A United Methodist pastor who this is more a, a viral vigil subject, but keep on who got um, taken up on charges. It was Jeff Sessions. Sorry, I'm 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 okay. mulling two things. Okay, Jeff Sessions got got put up on charges by the United Methodist Church. Oh yeah, I did see that for being amoral. Yeah, and then on the other side of things, there was this pastor who got dropped from his Baptist church. I want to say it was the Southern Baptist Convention. Hmm for making a comment about this teenage uh, about a, a hypothetical teenage girl and in, in what he was talking about was the lewd behavior of the boys but in talking about the lewd behavior of the boys toward this hypothetical teenage girl he said things that the boys would be saying as if she was like you know yeah. hot or whatever yeah. and not to say i mean i'm sure there's more to it but but it's just like we li- we just live in this powder keg. Yeah, for sure. Where's the representation? Where's where is uh innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. Yeah, I listen to this podcast and this one guy, he's like vehemently against that kind of climate, right? Right. And he all he says it they do they host multiple days a week and at least once a week it comes up naturally cuz it, it's 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 everywhere. It's everywhere and he he always just says you better if if that's what you want to push and that's what you believe in, you better watch your back because you're next. <laughs> like and yep, it will eat you up. Like they will eat you up, and just just watch out if that's really what you want to. Anything if that's that the you climate say. you wanna you wanna live in, just you watch your back. Yeah, anything that you say. Yeah, and again, it's not to say that it's inappropriate that it wasn't inappropriate what she said. It's. It's. I'm gonna go ahead and say it's. It's. I dare say it's un-American, the way in which she was reacted to. Mm. That's the issue. I don't think the forefathers would be okay with the way in which she was reacted to. You know. <clears throat> yeah, that just like in my head that just spiraled into a whole other conversation. About right. What the forefathers intended for this country. Right. And what's different things that are going on, but. Anyways, um, we can move on from Roseanne, and with that, we lay her to bed. <laughs> or to okay. rest. No, I don't know. We'll see. We don't we'll make see. the news again. Um, I guess we'll cover this. We'll spend the last half talking about Hereditary since that's, that's the okay. big one. Um, so Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill, um, you know, he's been sort of outspoken about specifically The Last Jedi, right? Right. And, and 
and Luke, the Luke story arc and how he thought Luke should be and, and this and that. And he was outspoken when it, when he, he like first read the script. And even he said like all during filming, he didn't believe this is who Luke was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then when the movie came out, he was on his like promo thing and he like supported the director of filmmakers and no, it, it's a good movie. I just, I personally don't like he was, he's sort right. of could compartmentalize or whatever, you know? Um, they were breaking him down slowly but surely. So it's gone quiet. <laughs> it's gone quiet a little bit. The movie's out on like Blu-ray and digital, or whatever. For people that still write, right, it's on Netflix. For people that buy Blu-ray, I, I think it's stream. I think it's on Netflix. Though. I think it is too. For now, until Disney does their own thing. Yeah. But anyway, so he he came up again. He was on some interview with IGN or something, mm-hmm. um, and he's talking about it again and. I, I highlighted this from what he was saying. Um, it says this in the art in the article. Um, in an engrossing interview with IGN, Hamill touched on how at first he thought that someone so resolutely idealistic as the Luke Skywalker of the original trilogy, the embodiment of what the Jedi should be, a rebel hero, a boundless source of naive optimism among his more cynical allies, falling so sharply into despair was impossible. But then the actor realized something grim. Luke's own trajectory from idealism to cynicism matched his own. And he said this. It's tragic. I'm not a method actor. But one of the techniques a method actor will use is to try and use real life experiences to relate to whatever fictional scenario he's involved in. The only thing I could think of, given the screenplay that I read, was that I was from the Beatles generation. All you need is love. Peace and love. Uh, I thought at the time when I was a teenager, by the time we get in power, there will be no more war, no more racial discrimination, pot will be legal, and he made a joke about how one of those three um, came to fruition, Um, which is funny. And he said, when you think about it, my generation is a failure. The world is unquestionably worse now than than it was then. And then the article goes on to say, as in real life... As in real life, as in Star Wars, as in countless other fictional sagas about aspiring heroes rising up to defeat an ancient evil, nothing is really gone forever, good or bad. A single generation of youthful idealists might enact some change, but without addressing the systems that allowed the villainy they fought to rise in the first place, in Star Wars' case, the Senate's corruption makes the fertile ground that both Palpatine and eventually the First Order Sessionist exploited. It's just a momentary changing of the guard. And then finally it says this. Um, That's why, as depressing as it is to see great idealists like Luke laid so low, The Last Jedi's critical interrogation of systems and constructs that helped perpetuate the cycle of conflict in the past is ultimately so hopeful it finds that hope it finds that hope in a new generation of youthful idealists that might learn something from the failures of its predecessors and be the spark that lights the fire of lasting change oh so beautiful yeah they borrowed like exact quotes from the new movie there (laughs) right um so where are we where are we in that um our question our springboard for this this topic is as Josh puts it, is the hope in a new hope dead or just a lie? <laughs> and that that gives you a good insight as to, <laughs> into Josh <laughs> and his rainbows and sunshine. Is the hope in new hope dead or a lie? So what did you mean by that? Well, Breaking down this little parag- paragraph or two that we just read. Okay, so if I mean if we're gonna break it down, essentially what's happening is that Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker, had a certain perspective on the character of Luke Skywalker when he played him initially for the first three movies. Right. And over time, his perspective on life has changed, Mm -hmm. and he wasn't prepared for the perspective 
the perspective treatment that was given to the character, which has also changed. And then he didn't think about how those two had connected to each other until now, where we get to see that, in fact, his own cynicism, he can see in that character. Here's the problem with that for me. The problem with that for me is that Luke Skywalker is an archetype, right? Mm -hmm. So he's not meant... He's not meant to be a, a person um, the way that he has become over time. I don't necessarily have a problem with him becoming a person, but he was an archetype to begin with. And so, therefore, like seeing him now as naive ruins that archetype. Mm. And I have, a, I have a problem with that from the perspective of storytelling. Mm. Of course, I also have a problem with that from the perspective of just the philosophical nihilism that's attached to it. Yeah. It's I like mean, some weird paradox or not. I don't know if you call it a paradox, but it's just a loop. Right. Like they're just caught in a loop. Right. It's well, not, it's a paradigm, right? It's so what you have here that's being described is a modernist philosophy that came out of revolution, right? So a revolution took place within the empire done by the rebellion, mm -hmm. uh, where Luke was, you know, essentially at the head of that. And, and over time, that that revolution amounted to another modernist empire. And the people who were old enough to watch that happen have now become cynical. <laughs> what is it that's said in The Dark Knight? You, you either live long enough to be become the villain. That's what it is. Uh, what is it? Yeah. You live, long, you live short enough to die a hero or long enough to become the villain. Something, or so, something like that, yeah. right? So it's... Like that's what's happening, and honestly, it's I I have no problem with the construct that that happened in Last Jedi. We talked about it. In it one made of, sense. It made sense, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It made sense. But you're borrowing from an archetype, and that archetype has to come from somewhere. And you're holding a certain dynamic that some things are are innately positive, and some things are are not. Well, the real problem here, the reason why Luke is, is no longer naive, as, as he puts it, mm -hmm. is because you're no longer borrowing from that archetype. And if anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, I'm obviously talking about Christianity. <laughs> no! The idea, the idea of, no, no, no! Nice. The idea of... of or, no, if you're Luke. Right, right, <laughs> right. That right. ugly face. Right. The idea of an ultimate good and an ultimate evil, mm -hmm. right? We have this idea of dark side and light side. That's no longer. And, and, and that mirrors Just where... gray Jedi. That's right. And that mirrors where society... Yeah, it's like Gandalf the White became Gandalf the Gray. Mm -hmm. um, and that mirrors where society is at, and that mirrors the journey that Mark, Hamill's that Mark Hamill has taken. And honestly, if, if I'm being honest it's because he doesn't have a relationship with christ that enables him to be hopeful there should be a hope that is found that sustains us and so let me just let me just add to it if it sounds like i'm being like uh if i'm being overtly christian or whatever and putting onto it this christian spin about something that doesn't really deserve that then let me just speak for a second on the absolute ridiculousness of saying that that we can put our hope into a new generation. 
Like why, if you believe that you were naive in the previous generation and that everything, that there's nothing new under the sun, that every construct that comes along is just going to replace an another construct yep. then makes it is no completely sense. irrational it makes no sense yeah it's completely irrational for you to then say well i can't have hope but another generation might bring hope mm-hmm. like what sort of we call that fact value splits yep that folks. is a fact value split that is where your facts and your your actions do not make sense and then you have to take an irrational leap cindy kunkel wants to know where does boba fett fit into all of this we don't know. He got swallowed up by the Sarlacc pit. That's we, right. We can't know. That's right. <laughs> There's just no way of knowing. Yeah. Plus, he said like two lines, so right. We don't really know what Boba Fett believes. The bigger <laughs> question is, why does Boba Fett matter to anybody? I don't know. He looked really... cool. That's what it is, right? He looked cool. Yeah, he looks cool. When you when you watch those movies backs, he w- movies back. He was worthless. Well, you know what it was. He was worthless. He just looked badass. There's a documentary on Netflix that talks about toys. Right, uh, I've been wanting to watch. Okay, and there's a yeah. huge thing about Star Wars toys in that documentary. There's season two, I think, is on there now. But yeah, and they talk about how Boba Fett had uh, had a recalled like part to him because my dad might have had that freaking toy. What is worth so much money? Yeah, well. You should give him crap live now about how he got rid of all of his Star Wars toys. Never get apparently rid of his your kids toys. didn't like it. But what do kids know? It's true. Never get rid of your toys. I don't know if you can see. Actually, you probably can see on the camera behind Adam. There's there's like four shelves that are in camera that Adam is pointing out right now. Those are all full of action figures. There's over a hundred action figures back there that go over the course of my lifetime. That's which a hundred. It's like a hundred and five. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's what it has to do with. Boba Fett was like this unattainable action figure who could shoot something, and then they like took it away from people. And anyway. Thanks for derailing us, Cindy Kunkel, whoever you are. Right. Um, Strange coincidence. But right. Anyways, um, yeah, and you have to make a you have to make an irrational leap, and yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's that's the part for the that's the part for the course. And you know what's interesting about that is the Marvel storytelling versus DC story, storytelling and everything that went on with DC EU. How mm-hmm. it was like too dark. They deconstructed their heroes mm-hmm. and people didn't like that and they wanted to then they wanted to go lighter so they hired Joss Whedon to do that and it just didn't work and you know you can't put the genie back into the bottle yeah now you're just in this weird right you got do do? you gotta <laughs> let it die and that's yeah. what's going on with star wars mm-hmm. and there's huge things going on <clears throat> in the star wars camp right now like they're trying to fire uh what is her name kennedy yeah kathleen kennedy yeah they're trying to fire her there's this whole thing really uh-huh because they just don't like where she's taking it Right, I think her own husband threw her under the bus. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> like current husband? I think so. I don't support what my wife is doing with the, it's with absolute the Star Wars empire. Universe. No right. pun intended. Right, with the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, cuz you need you need somebody to answer for it and Mark Hamill has, you know, I mean, he read the script, he didn't like it in the beginning. He should have said something. He's Luke Skywalker, but you know, now he's he's on that train. He let the empire win he succumbed to the dark side he did. 
Damn which it. of course means nothing anymore. Oh, the whole childhood is blowing up right now. The dark side and the light side are exactly the same, according to the Last Jedi. So. Right. Oh man. Okay. We have people waiting in the wind here. Uh, we have a new game. Let me call up our contestants, um, and I will explain to them the game. So we are calling them now. How do you have two phones? <clears throat> um. Well, one of our contestants is a difficult man. I have one. You're not using Wi-Fi for your calling, are you? Um, I have two contestants. And I will get the third right now. Okay. Are you two there? And a John, a certain John, a.k.a. your reigning champ on this podcast. John Glitter Parker. <laughs> Can I get some theme music? I feel like... Calling the third contestant. All right. There's your theme music. Okay. Do I have all three of you? You got me. That's all that counts. <laughs> I got one. A uh, Jeremy, do I got you? Cold leader standing by. Cold leader standing by. Wow. Nice pull. Okay, so our game this week is music oriented, okay? We've done a lot of movies, we've done a lot of TV, we've done comic book stuff. Yes. We need to give some love to the music side of um, yes. culture, okay? So this is the basic gist of tonight's uh, game on tonight's episode. So. The, the theme is summer pop songs, okay? Here's how it will work. Are you calling somebody on Facebook right now? No. I'm hearing like a call or something. No, I don't know what's up with that. All right. Anyway, go on. Um, Sorry. The theme, uh, the theme is the summer pop song. So here's how it's going to work. I have pop songs from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, okay? And what's going to happen is... I'm going to input some lyrics to a pop song in a text-to-speech voice generator of, a, <laughs> of an ugly robotic woman's voice, and you have to guess the song, okay? So you get no music. All you get is the lyrics through a voice that sounds like this. <laughs> so it's very simple. Uh, first to call it wins. Are we playing for posters? We're playing for a, a prize to be determined. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Um, one of our contestants right now really likes a 2017 edition of Red Bull that I happen to still have a case of. So, right. yeah. um, whatever. So, since John is the reigning champ, I'm going to give him first dibs at picking his decade of song. We have 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Where would you like to, to go? First to three wins. I'll just do it like that. I, I love the 90s. Before we start, the 90s. let's officially start. It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. You got it. Okay. So, John said 90s. He's a 90s. He's, he's a big Vanilla Ice fan. I don't have any Vanilla Ice, so you can already rule that out. Um, you said 90s. Let me pull it up here. Did I quit? <laughs> All right, this is a good one. 
get ready for the text-to-speech speak, I guess you would say, right now. First to call, it wins. Tag team, back again. Check it to wreck it, let's begin. Party on, party people, let me hear some noise. DC's in the house, jump, jump, rejoice. Says there... You got it. Boop, there it is. It's hard without music. <laughs> it's supposed to be. We'll let one of our other contestants pick the next decade. I say go with the 80s. 80s. Okay, we got an 80s, an 80s fan in the house. 80s coming up. Let's see who can get this. I pick some. Ready? Here we go. Yep. So don't misunderstand me. You put the light in my life. You put the sparks to the flame. I've got your heart in my sights. Nobody knows it. When I was down, I was your clown. Nobody knows it. Nobody knows it. But right from the start, I gave you my. But right from the start, I gave you my. I gave you my heart. Oh, it's the name of the oh. song. I can't, I can't remember it. Don't go breaking my heart. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> womp, 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 is right. All right. <laughs> so John's at one. Jeremy, pull. Go with the 2000s. 2000s. <laughs> it's fun to make these games, by the way. Here it goes. <laughs> I'm leaving, please believing. Oh, me and the rest of my heathens. Check it, got it locked at the top of the foe. Seasons. <laughs> Penthouse, rooftop, bird's eye feeding. Heathens by 21 pilots? <laughs> Here it goes again, one more time. I'm leaving, please believing. Oh. Me and the rest of my heathens. Check it, got it locked at the top of the foe. Seasons. Penthouse, rooftop, bird's eye feeding. Right, right there. The song is Hot and Her by Nelly. <laughs> John, back to you. You would you would go back to the nineties. Yep. Because that's who you are. <laughs> Coming up right now. Ooh, my body's saying, let's go. Ooh, but my heart is saying no. <laughs> Uh, what is Genie in a bottle by Christina Aguilera? <laughs> Greg, back to you. You're go you guys are going to get swept. The reigning I champ is the reigning champ for a reason. Let's try the 70s. Ooh. Pull up some ABBA or something. <laughs> okay. Sa 70s oh, it, it is. <laughs> exactly. Here it goes. There's a port on a western bay, and it serves a hundred ships a day. Lonely sailors pass the time away, and talk about their homes. And there's a girl in this harbor town, 
and she works laying whiskey down. They say, Brandy, fetch another round. She serves them whiskey and wine. Yes. The sailors say. <laughs> the sailors say, Brandy. Two to one. Two to one. Jeremy, pull. I'm going to make an executive decision and say next point wins the whole game. John? <laughs> wow. Here we go. Like a river flows, surely to the sea. Trick question. Darling, so it goes. Some things are meant to be. Take my hand. Take my whole life, too. I'll give you a hint and say this is a trick one. Here it goes. Like a river flows, surely to the sea. Darling, so it goes. Some things are meant to be. Take my hand. Take my whole life, too. If it's not Elvis, then in the 90s, it's... And the song is. Um, I'm just so excited. I got the. <laughs> You're both winners tonight. The song is Can't Help Falling in Love. Nice. Not by Elvis. <laughs> Alright, you're both winners on tonight's game. John, you're still the reigning champ, but you share the belt tonight. Jeremy, thanks for participating. You're awarded no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I'll talk to you guys later. Well, that was semi-successful. Sure. Let's move on. So, the main topic of the night. Sorry if I'm yelling. Yes. Hereditary. 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 So, Josh and I made it a point to go see this movie. This is a... Uh, yes. Spoiler alert. A fun-filled spoiler alert topic tonight, hereditary. So we made it a point to go see this movie because it's the it, it movie right now, getting already like Oscar buzz a year in advance, and it's like one of those get-out situations. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like genre-defining and, and so on and so forth, different actresses, you know, putting in like career-defining performances or something like that. So culturally, it's an important thing to... Um, Pay attention to, I guess. Yep. So we made it a point to go see it on Thursday, and we did. And during the day, during the day, <laughs> yeah, we made it a point to go see it in the middle of the day, where so, we could watch a couple episodes of The Office afterwards. I feel like we should just, just, I don't know, give a warning and then briefly unpack it and then do our springboard. So a warning, once again, don't go see this movie flippantly. Don't mm. don't allow this to be a movie when it comes out digitally that you're scrolling through Netflix and new releases and you read the synopsis and you're like, oh, weird. Oh, Tony Collette. I know Tony Collette. I like her. Okay, I'll watch that. Like I did when I watched Seaman Centipede. <laughs> yes. I watched that movie. Right. Like what? Human Centipede. And I was completely blindsided by that movie. But anyways, so don't let it be a movie like that for you. Know what you're getting into. So this movie is... Yeah, let me let me just uh, yeah go ahead. 
like like I've said before, and like Adam was saying about me in particular, I do not believe that anybody should entertain themselves with anything that they don't know is safe. Mm-hmm. And the human mind is very, very, very malleable. There's a reason why people do things like hypnosis, for instance. In there's order a reason to why they smoking. start young with kids' shows. Yep. There's a reason why they start young with kids' shows and how that they do and how they do things. Read articles about Hollywood and how it, you know, and 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 the way in which it has an agenda that it wants to populate amongst people. Mm-hmm. What we input into our minds should not be taken flippantly. And least of all, when you're dealing with spiritual things, because there's a spiritual element to how our minds work. So when we went into this movie, we had, we had a certain awareness that it w- that it ha- was grasping the minds of people. Mm-hmm. And we want to be very um, <clears throat> careful to make clear that it was not entered into flippantly. Let me also say that you may think because I'm a pastor and, Adam's a pastor. You're that, doing that. You're doing it again. That you're being so Christiany, right? That 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 we are Christians and therefore noobs. No, not at all. I, for a long time, I made it a point in my life to stay up to date on all those things and watch every single thing that was negative, um, so that I could have an understanding of what was going on. If you have seen it, I probably have seen it and more of it. So. With that said, and, and, and that goes all the and way he's probably to probably read, read an in-depth whatever right. <laughs> on it. That too. goes all the way to everything from you know, from your your dark mainstream movies to your to your non non mainstream movies like uh, John Parker. You're gonna help me out on this, but to uh, two-inch fangs, three, three feet tall, two-inch fangs, mm, to nice. to your sampling of uh, demon hentai with Uratsiki Doji. I, believe me, I've seen tons of stuff. I am not a noob. So when we're talking about this, I want to be clear, this isn't Christians being like, okay, we got to censor this. Yeah. Let's put our holy water into our soda. No. That doesn't make sense. But Yeah. be Just be super on your guard, you know? And don't, yeah, don't go to a movie looking to get entertained by a, a scary movie that might make you jump. Right. I, I like to be scared, so let me open up my consciousness for people to scare me while I veg out. Yeah, that's not wise. <laughs> so don't do that. <clears throat> so, yeah, this movie is overt. And I think that be, just for me personally, like, I think that I was talking with to, to one of our friends last night about it, but I was talking to Colin about it, but I think that it, because it's overt, it's less... It's almost less sinister or something, you know, mm. because it's so overt. You're just you're like you kind of when you when you walk out of it, you're like wow, type thing, you know. Right. You're not. Well, I think we both did. Yeah. Right. Well, because the last lines that you hear in the movie, this is again, you know, spoiler. Yep. The last lines that you hear in the movie are the rise of a. What was I think? Okay, are the rise of a demon king and one of their worshippers saying several several. But but specifically the main worshiper saying we renounce the Holy Trinity mm-hmm. like there's uh, and not... hail and they literally end it like hail the demon hail and the demon's yeah. name is Payman I don't know if that matters you do with that what you will but right 
be careful in, in looking into that. It's, you know, same kind of thing we're just talking about. But right. <clears throat> it literally ends with demon worship, cut, roll credits, no music, goodbye everybody. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those movies that you're just like, wow. Right. Well, and it's it's quite the journey too. Like yeah. it's uh, it's an extreme journey. Like you go into it and it could easily be um, it could easily be the story of a dysfunctional family dealing with grief. Yeah, and how it tears them apart. Right. And and then and then it sort of snowballs. Yeah, it's interesting because again, spoiler alert and we don't have to hit it again, but probably half the movie is alludes a little bit to some sp- spiritual something going on but it doesn't really focus on it too much it's just like this family grieving and horrible like and like haunting things happen to them like with different people in their family and it like tears them apart and stuff like that and then like the last 30 percent of the movie is that it just like really plunges forward on the whole demonology right. and occult stuff really but, the last like 10 minutes of the movie is when it starts going crazy yeah and it and it does get pretty crazy, but um, your own personal views, uh, you were telling me this, but to share, like, you weren't personally, like, personally, because, again, you have a, a long history with this and the study and blah, right. blah, 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 and experience with s- certain things, but you weren't personally, you you personally were like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Yep. <laughs> right. I get it from the standpoint of, I, I or... When I say what's the big deal, what I mean is I don't understand why Hollywood thinks it's such a big deal. Yeah. That's what I don't get. I don't understand why the critics think it's such a big I, deal. There wasn't anything other than the fact that Tony Collette is great. Yeah, as, performances as she and is in like everything. The way it's edited edited <coughs> edited and shot, it's it's definitely artistic in that way. And so there's I was let down by it, honestly, in that really? regard. Well, because there's this whole like thing about the miniatures and I really expected there to be more with the miniatures. Well, that's not that's a that's a that's a writing thing though, right? Like, well, no, 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 no. Like or using using thing? the miniatures to go in and out and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, like, you mentioned that in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, well, they did it in the previews. Yeah. So I was just I thought that that's what's it was kind of going to be creepy like that, and they did it in the opening scene. Yeah. Where it's like the miniatures and it zooms in, yeah. and then. Yeah. I mean, from from a purely like whatever, and I don't, I'm not an, an authority on it, whatever. But I can see like you know when it comes to the editing and the sound and the lack of music and sure. the way it's shot and in this one house type thing and right. the environment as a character in and of itself type yep. thing. I can appreciate that, sure. Um, but in terms of like the occult stuff, you weren't personally like whatever. There's some like haunting images in it, like I was saying, like. Like beheading is a huge thing in this movie. Huge thing. Like several people are beheaded, or there's some sort of implication. Really beheaded, or dream of being beheaded, or some sort of implication that something's going to happen. Their heads are being messed with. Like there's a scene where a guy's head is trying to be ripped from his body. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's not interesting. That's I guess be warned of that if you're like. Oh, and there was a super like the probably the biggest. Um, negative scene in the movie is was when Tony Collette essentially beheads herself. Yeah. So again, spoiler alert. But so just in terms of all that stuff, be aware of that. I think because it was so overt for me, like I wasn't. I'm like I'm not bothered by it. Like on a spiritual level, personally, mm-hmm. um, it's one of those ones where it's just like, wow, that was okay that's that's where they're that's where they're what well, they're remember, doing now i remember yeah i remember you specifically saying like how do how do these 
actresses and actors and directors like look at this thing in terms of their body of work. Yeah. So I was I'm telling really Josh like cuz you know these people go on promo tours around the world right. like I'm going to go around the world and promote something that ended literally with people saying hail the demon yeah. hail the right. demon hail right. the Huh? Like, that's right. so weird. You must seriously be able to, like, shut off parts of your mind or something. Right. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like you were saying, too. Like, it's it's characters and, you know, they're they're playing characters. But, so that's, that's that. So, I pulled an article or a review or something and I highlighted um, a couple things in here. Let's see. This, this reviewer says this, hereditary is a different breed. It's a different breed. The demonology and cult worship that's infused into the plot originates from lore that seems to be more ancient and foreign to what we're typically presented. Um, so in this movie, in hereditary, and this is me speaking now, in this movie, there's no, with the exception of like maybe some iconic, iconography? Iconography. Iconography of like Christ at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Which is terrible. But, um, yeah, that's, there's like no Christian whatever, you know, defense or, or mention. They mention it at the right. end, we reject the Trinity, but right. it's all like these weird pagan pagan demons and, and this person calls it, um, what do they call it? Like new, new spiritualism or something like that. Mm -hmm. They call it something like that. But yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, Christian whatever, but... Um, this person was talking, it's a, it's good from our, whatever, but artistic Christ or anything biblical is never suggested as a strategy to combat the supernatural right. happenings. Once. And while other horror films still like to play in the era, era, Abrahamic, sorry, religious realm, hereditary feels distinctly pagan or new age in comparison. That's what yeah, it said. Definitely. Yeah. Um, this wouldn't necessarily be a problem provided the story's themes justify the fatalistic Satanic, Satanic nature of the events. However, I have mulled over this film a time or two, and I still struggle in determining exactly what message is being promoted. And that's where I'm coming from in, in viewing the movie, is it's so clearly bad, and this family's... And I'm trying to like stay focused with what we want to talk about. Right. But So this family's grieving, and their grieving opens up the doorway for, you know, this demon or whatever to... to well, I mean, the demon is the reason that grieving takes place, but yeah. Sure. So, but like, <clears throat> um, what am I trying to say? It's, it's the, the film itself is like, there's no positives that you can draw from the movie. No, this film is absolutely anti-art. And I, and I also mean like, no, like no moral positives, no spiritual nope. positives, nope. no, 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 like, um, like the only redeeming character is the husband and, and yeah. how he bites it makes zero sense yeah it's a plot hole but that's besides the point <laughs> that's a plot hole but when yeah the, uh, no i don't i don't i don't know that it is besides the point it's it's a hundred percent irrational how he gets killed off like he should be safe but he's not oh, okay and he's the one good character in the whole thing and it makes no sense whatsoever good and, if the, not and then they just weak. and then they just move on yeah but yeah like so I it think, goes. It goes back to that fatalistic. So where I'm coming from, I'm trying to like stay, stay whatever in my thoughts. But because there's so obviously no positives in what happened with this family, right. how they interacted, what they did, what they were like susceptible to, right. how they treated each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
in a way that like points to something better, you know, like that's like a, a rock bottom or something. I suppose you could use it as like a it's weird, weird therapy. <laughs> At least you're not this. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, it's almost like because there's such an obvious lack of hope and light right. in this family, in this story, whatever, like it, it like begs the question to me of like, well, th- then there's got to be something that's the opposite of that. And like, and I don't yeah, know, how do I get, it's how high contrasted. I, yeah. High contrasted. Sure. But, um, and you know, do you have thoughts? I'm just trying to stay like, well, I mean, where, where I am is just the, I think the message is, is fatalistic. I think that that is the point of it. The message is there is no hope and especially not in your family. You know, like your family, like, so the basic story is that the, that the grandma is part of a long line of avatars of this demon king Mm -hmm. and they're constantly trying to birth a male because the demon king likes to be inside a male body. Mm -hmm. And so the family has females, but there's also like one male boy. And so the whole thing is getting the right male child to come along and to get it to the point where it's susceptible to being taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this grieving, you know, deaths in the family, et cetera, et cetera, it made, it made that, it ushered that in. It opened the doorway for right, that. Right, exactly. And that's literally what the story is. Yeah. So, again, I think what, what you have here is this, just like the writer of the article said, there's a certain fatalism to it. There's a certain nihilism to it. Um, that essentially families um, are there to destroy you. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the long and short of it. Your family's there to destroy you. Everything that's wrong about the universe actually is wrong, but it's secretly wrong and super insidious. And um, the only chance you have for a better world is one where you succumb to the darkness and lose yourself to to demonic possession. Yeah, it was, and which yeah. which was was that was what the end of, that was what the end speech was was the was the main follower saying to the kid who now is sort of orienting himself mm-hmm. as the demon. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sort of like realizing that he is this the demon now, uh, saying to the kid like now everything is fine. You know now that you've finally succumbed to this truth of whatever, and. And I think that that is the story. The story is family is hell. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah. And I was in our conversation earlier and I was, I was comparing it to, it reminds me of, so there's this really popular philosopher right now. He's like, I think he just came to Portland. He's on some sort of tour. His name is Jordan Peterson. And in his work or whatever, He's got this work. He's promoting the twelve rules for life. He talks about this concept of like a living hell, like mm-hmm. it's an actual thing potentially, um, and you know, based on all these different things and how you conduct yourself, how you live your life, how you treat people, this, that, and the other thing, like can can create that for you. Can create like an actual living hell. And I think that's an interesting concept that it's potentially not just. I think it's interesting. I don't know what else I think about it. Um, that it's not just like a a, a purely spiritual. Um, well, I mean, hell realm. isn't. Uh, hell is not purely spiritual. 
but it's definitely not this earth. Right. The scriptural standpoint is that hell is a place. I mean, we can get into the difference between Gehenna and Hades and hell and the lake of fire and all these different things. But the long and short of it, the negative place that you go to at the end of, of everything. Well, it's very stranger things of you. Right. The negative place. That, the I, like, I like Or that. the get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sunken place. The sunken place, yeah. The, sunken place. The, the negative place that you go to at the end, whatever you want to call it, is a result of getting involved in spiritual warfare with God that was taking place long before humans came along. You got involved with it. As human beings, we got involved with the spiritual warfare, and we suffer the consequences with the side that we choose. So there was already this consequence of hell before, and if we choose the wrong side, then we suffer the consequence of going to that place, which is, you know, made for demons. Mm Mm-hmm these beings that fell from God's grace. And that is a physical place in the sense that our physicality is going to be remade according to scripture. And so we are physically going to suffer in that place or, you know, the opposite in the other place. Um, The idea that it's, that there's hell on earth. Well, maybe if the hell on earth is a microcosm of what hell in the end is going to be, that one doesn't compare to the other, but possibly there's an analogous relationship, I suppose. But the idea that one is the other is absolutely unbiblical. It's unfounded and it's ridiculous. And, you know, I, yeah, this, <clears throat> this movie is promoting a concept. Um, it's promoting a concept of nihilism. It's, it's promoting a concept that the only out we have is to give in to a spiritual other something that's been with us our entire life that's been looking out for us and wants to give us the world mm-hmm. um you know in the book that i follow we call that the devil <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and if you're interested in getting in touch with that book, <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no um it, it, you know it's not new either this is uh, adam was sort of alluding to it but you know I've got a long storied relationship with these types of movies and stories. It was a focus of my studies in um, becoming a pastor. And so I have a a long storied relationship with demonic things. And um, that's not new. In fact, I was just thinking about it the other day. The, (coughs) excuse me, the paranormal movies. Mm -hmm. It's the same story. Mm -hmm. The, The last movie ends again. Spoilers, but Toby, his name's Toby, of course. Michael Scott would, you know, would totally. Please, no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, no. but his name's Toby and he's the big bad in the paranormal movies. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that Toby is actually Satan and he's trying to get born and become the Antichrist. And that's what happens in the final movie the last paranormal movie is he gets born. You, you, you know, realize that there's this coven of witches that's been trying to get him born for all of the paranormal movies. It's really no different than hereditary. Yeah. Just less, um, imagery or whatever. (laughs) It's not so graphic. Well, it's just not as well executed. Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty graphic stuff in those movies too. It's just paranormal movies. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the later ones. It's just not as well executed. Um, 
And it's not so blatant at the end. Hmm. But it's the same thing. There's a movie with Johnny Depp. The paranormal Depp. movies are not so blatant at the end. Right. Right. There's a there's a, a movie with Johnny Depp called The Ninth Gate. Same sort of thing. Johnny Depp literally has sex with the devil. And there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of movies like this out there. Mm-hmm. I think the difference with that I think that that's very astute, whoever this writer was, that said there's really no Christian iconography in the movie. It's true. Well, this he has a Jewish background. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, I just, yeah, and speaking of him, so I was reading about him, and he was talking about making the movie, and he said, um, he said, ultimately I have no ties to the occult, and and I guess this is just a, like a warning, again, like, yep. Because this might spark you to look into it, it might spark you to watch it, and it might spark you to research different things. Right. So I just, again, would warn you. And the director himself says, um, I have no ties to the occult. He, This guy has a Jewish background. And the research was kind of disturbing for me, and at some point I just had to stop. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you try to make it look too real, and what do you get? Yeah, when you go that deep. So... For anyone that is doing that or has that tendency, and, you know, that's good. It, that can be good, right? Like that you want to educate yourself, but keep your mind shielded. Well, that's the thing, right? Like we should keep our mind shielded. We really have no uh, – there's really no – well, there's very few reasons why a Christian or anybody else should be looking into the occult. Yeah, and you, even you said that <clears throat> you had to stop because it just wasn't productive. Right. Like it it I don't need to know that much of that <laughs> that or whatever. Right. I mean there like is it, it doesn't help my relationship with God. It doesn't help Right. It's just not productive at the end of the day. Right. Like why? Yeah, I mean there was Adam was telling me about his research into the movie and I literally just walked over to my shelf and pulled up a book. The big bad book. Yeah. <laughs> pulled pulled off the book and opened it up to exactly what Adam was talking about and there it was. And it's like, you know, I mean I have access to all that, but that's not what we do. Yeah. Like we have to understand that there is a war for our minds taking place. We should also understand, here's a here's a little side note. The scripture says a bunch of stuff about the end times that are really, really interesting, specifically like in Second Thessalonians. There's a bunch of bunch of different things that are really interesting talking about the way that people will behave and how people mm-hmm. won't want sound advice and all that. Mm-hmm. But another thing that they say is that in the end times, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And when you look at that and you look at how it was in the days of Noah, the, the preceding verses before God sends a flood upon man is that there was this interaction between man and spirits where there was even a level of sexual interaction that was taking place, producing like offspring that they call the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point being is, the point being is, is that we, we see this level of interaction that's taking place more so now. Um, more than ever. I mean, we see all sorts of what would classically be defined as demonic activity being completely written off. We see the use of like mm-hmm. pharmacos. So that's like where we get like medicine and stuff like that. Well, in scripture, pharmacos is defined as witchcraft. We see the use of divination for like really simple thing. Like, like it's viewed as entertainment to like, you know, get your, get your horoscope or your palms red or, or things like that. Like, 
there's a lot of things that in scripture would classically be defined as as entertaining the occultic world Mm -hmm. and it's really important that we understand that when we open up our minds to these things like it's not just entertainment like we are literally opening up our minds to being susceptible and human minds are very susceptible human minds are susceptible to humans like they are susceptible to humans Imagine if there was a malevolent <laughs> being that was ageless. Yeah. That really wanted to mess that with lurks you. at the corner and waits. Right. And waits. As the scripture says, Satan is like a roaring lion waiting to pounce. Mm-hmm. So especially when we're dealing with stuff like this, where what we're dealing with is not even like a slasher film yeah. or something like that, but we're dealing with a literal demonic, a story of a demonic entity based on an actual demonic entity or at least one that was understood to be actual for you know a thousand years or a yeah. hundred years one or several hundred years worshipped as an actual worshipped at some point <clears throat> it seems like maybe maybe we should be very very careful so do not play with the occult do not play with the occult and turn on your minds for everything yeah good night everyone sweet dreams i'm just kidding um no that's that's good and that's good sound advice and in all seriousness i think that's where we'll wrap it up and just yeah do not play with your mind and consume things with intent like um and you know an active mind hey let me just say before before we do wrap it up like let's be clear like if you have a relationship with christ you are victorious in that. Yeah. But it's not a good idea to sneak over to the other side at night. Yeah. Don't 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 play around with it. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Cuz it's not productive. Um and you shouldn't be. Um anyways, if you are so thanks for sticking with us. Um if you're interested in today's topics or just staying relevant as we say, go ahead and check out the our Facebook or Twitter page at Culture Insanity. If you have something that you're personally interested in, like a movie or a song or something, whatever, it, it can be anything. Game suggestion. A game suggestion. We like those. My brother likes to give me input on this. Um, then you can reach out to us um, on those aforementioned platforms. Um, if you're interested in exploring your faith or are completely new to Christ or the book, our book, as we called it tonight, um, um, then you can check out the help tab on vigilance.blog or our new page that will stop being called new at some point, abfpdx.org. Um, also, I would invite everyone that listens to this and will consume this to check out next month's um, panel discussion that we call cross-examination. Um, it's a panel discussion with local pastors talking about the um, theology and basic language so that you can understand it you can understand um what it is that you believe or are interested in what it is that you're seeking right and it is a discussion Mm -hmm. you can get involved online and ask questions you can Mm -hmm. ask questions there or you can even ask questions ahead of time Mm -hmm. and you can submit those questions on the facebook page for cross-examination using the hashtag cross x letter x um so next month's topic is the church very broad and any question relating to the church um is open 
is open for um, submitting and to asking the panel. Um, it's going to be at Aletheia Bible Fellowship in Portland, Oregon. First time in five months. Mm-hmm. Since January on July 29th, and that will take place at 7 p.m. It will be streamed on Facebook Live, and it will be uploaded after it's um, done airing, and you can check out past events on the Facebook page. So look for look for a cross-examination to post this next event July 29th. Um and Josh already said how you can contribute. So we invite you guys to that. It's a great resource um, for questions you have. You know, if you're if you're in a, in a good point with your relationship with God, if you're you've fallen away from it, just questions. You, you have know? a question you don't know how to answer that somebody's asked. Mm-hmm. Anything like that. It's to help you better understand what it is that you be, believe and be fully convinced. Yeah. Feel free to check out some of our other shows too. We got mm-hmm. True Time with Pastor Monty takes place. Every week, although it is on a hiatus right now. <laughs> Viral Vigil is another podcast. They're very um, world news, politics. You know, they do social stuff too. They do pop culture sometimes, but they're a more general podcast yeah. about these kinds of things. We're pop culture centric, but yeah, check it out. Um, Vigilance Radio Network. We got several different things. And with that, have a great night and see you in two weeks, 8 p.m. Goodbye. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Mm-hmm.